0: And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, it has been a wild 16 hours. <laughs> yes, we were just <laughs> We were just talking about... The coverage of Week One and all the hoopla that goes into it, all the work that goes into it. Do you even remember the game at this point? That's that's the uh,
1: question. Y- yeah, sort of. It was. I was at my desk from seven o'clock yesterday morning on way into the night. So it was. It was quite a day.
0: Yes, these late games are are not something we love. the The great thing about the noon game is you you can kind of get done with it and have an evening. But when it's that yeah. middle of the afternoon, it, it sort of takes up everything. But look, if there's ever a game that you enjoy covering, especially in Kansas city, it was this and yes, mm-hmm. cover, cover your kids' ears. If you're a parent, chiefs fan, but it, this was an <laughs> ass whooping in Arizona. <laughs> this was a 44 to 21 ass whooping in Arizona. And I think for a lot of frustrated chiefs fans with all of the national push for teams like the Buffalo bills and for teams like the green Bay Packers and maybe the LA Rams to repeat, And a little bit of, I think, forgetting about who the Kansas City Chiefs were, forgetting about who Patrick Mahomes was. This was a a Mm -hmm. nice reminder of, hey, we get Josh Allen is pretty good. We get get Justin Herbert is pretty good, but this guy is Michael Jordan, man, Mm -hmm. right? Like This is Michael Jordan we're dealing with.
1: Yeah, I think it was a good reminder for the rest of the league and for Kansas City fans. I think you know some of that has gotten through the heads of some Kansas City fans the, the the you know the the national narrative that the chiefs are finished and and it's natural you know just as when mahomes first burst onto the scene and was blowing people away um it was the the next big thing and reporters and writers are always looking for the next next big thing and so it's just natural for them to uh, be looking for that and sometimes see it when it isn't necessarily there yet. Uh, I, I'm not surprised by any of this. I'm just so happy that we have the continuing best thing <laughs> right. for for quite a while now. And I think Sunday's
0: game uh, demonstrated that pretty clearly, at least for the time being. Well, and and we're going to get to marinated takeaways in the second segment, specifically about this game. But I'm going to give you a marinated takeaway right now as we're talking about it. And this is a marinated <laughs> takeaway from the first five seasons of Patrick Mahomes' career, this is going to be a player that blocks good players like Justin Herbert, like Mm -hmm. Lamar Jackson, like Joe Burrow from having multiple Super Bowls and opportunities to win multiple championships. Patrick Mahomes is going to have more Super Bowls. I know that it hasn't happened after the 2019 one. There have been differing reasons as to why. He's going to win multiple championships and at the very least block some of these great AFC quarterbacks. Great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, having championships they would have otherwise had had Patrick Mahomes not existed. Think about Peyton Manning and how great he was with the Indianapolis Colts, except right. Tom Brady kept blocking him. And I, this is going to happen in this course of history over the next 10 to 15 years. I firmly, firmly, firmly believe that. And I think there's these this national analyst push whether on purpose or by accident or to what you're saying like we're looking for the next next big thing mm-hmm. where it's almost like they don't want to see that type of scenario play out and you can only really look back 10 years later and see that but look that is a, a marinated takeaway to start our show and why did i have to do that john you ask because we didn't get any reviews this week <laughs> we, did, we did not we did not Get any reviews. So we had to (laughs) fill the time with something, and there you go. That's my five-year Marinated Takeaway. On this show, we're about to go through (laughs) the news. We will take a quick break, and we'll get into the first regular season version of Marinated Takeaways from the, the Chiefs thrashing of the Arizona Cardinals week one. But let's dial back a little bit and review some news and comment about it. John, you have this first listing here. Blake Bell to injured reserve. Right now, the roster spot remains empty. We did see the Chiefs call up both Derice Fountain and Elijah Lee. Derice Fountain was inactive, which mm-hmm. there's a little bit of a surprise there just because you only get so many of these call-ups per player from the practice squad, and you would think that if, if they were getting called up that they would be participating in the game. So Dereese Fountain just burns a call-up and doesn't even play You have the salary cap listed here just very quickly on Blake Bell uh, not being a a member of of the club right now. He's out for the first four weeks on injured reserve, and Mm -hmm. it does seem like Noah Gray will be the the tight end of choice picking up some of the slack for uh, what would be Blake Bell. But as you saw on Sunday, they're going to use Travis Kelsey, Jody Fortson, uh, and Noah Gray quite a bit here.
1: Yeah, the issue here, I I think originally there was a thought that this was all going to be a thing to get Blake Bell on the practice, uh, Blake Bell... On the active roster to begin the season so he'd be able to come back, I think that was part of it. Yes, but I think now what we're seeing is that there's a salary cap issue going on. Right now, the chiefs have a small amount of cap space. How small is open to debate? When you get it down this low, there's enough difference between what, say, over the cap estimates and what spot track estimates. But it could be as low as about four hundred thousand dollars. Well, if that's the case, you can't just sign somebody and put them on the roster. That's Mm -hmm. less money than an NFL minimum salary at its lowest level. Uh, So that may be what's going on is the Chiefs are trying to figure out what they can do to clear a little bit of cap space in order to put somebody on the roster. And, hey, there's no requirement that they have 53 players. In a lot of cases, that 53rd player is going to be inactive game day anyway. So maybe this is the way it's going to be for a while. There was a period last year that the P- the Chiefs only had 52 players on the roster and maybe we're headed to one of those periods again. We'll just have to see.
0: What I will say is this and not to be Eric Banemy right there cuz I think he says that quite a bit. What I will say is this. <laughs> If I tweet out 53-man roster, don't tweet back me 52-man roster. You know what I'm talking about. That's, that's all I want to say. It's
1: still yeah. the 53-man roster, Those right? Those of you podcast <laughs> listeners that
0: are also on Twitter, please, just don't, don't do it to me. It happened to me last week. That's why I say yeah. it. I don't, it's, but I imagine at some point the 53-man roster will be complete. But you know what? Kudos to the Chiefs and really the personnel staff as a whole, led by Brett Veach, in finding mm-hmm. some of these loopholes, right? It, it buys you mm-hmm. time. If you can sort of establish that you're not putting these players on the practice squad and they're not going to be at risk. Uh, if you do make them available in the practice squad, because as we know in the NFL, you can sign any player on anyone else's practice squad. And that certainly factors into it, but there is that buffer of, and we saw it last year with Shane Bouchelle. We talked about it at the 53, where if another team is interested, you can sign them the 53 to prevent them from what would be poaching, your player. So remains to be seen what happens. I know that Dave Tobe is a big fan of these new COVID practice squad call ups and it's deep and it's 16 players and you can have veterans. And so it does make, I think the NFL a lot more interesting. And I I think you've made this point before, John, it's better that the player be with an NFL team than simply working out on their own. Because then if a player goes down it, the quality of the game actually ends up being better because they're already Mm -hmm. Familiar right. with the playbook and and such being in the building. right. and
1: and essentially, just it's like a farm team almost now, now that they can put some veteran players on there, uh, guys that they can depend upon to be backups in a short term situation. And you know, getting to the last item on the list, uh, our news list that this is a place to bring this up. the chiefs yeah. worked out of a, a free agent place kicker this morning because Harrison Butker uh, rolled his ankle during the game yesterday. Uh, probably a sprained ankle or something like that, a fairly minor injury that won't take him very long to recover from. And so what the Chiefs could end up doing here is signing a a free agent kicker to the practice squad, elevate that player for three games so they've got a guy on the roster who can kick better than Justin Reed does. All respect, all due respect to Justin Reed. Um, Mm -hmm. But have somebody who's an actual place kicker on the team on game day and then release him from the practice squad when they're done. That is the cheapest possible way against the cap to get a player like that on your team. And I think that's the way it's going to play out with either um, Tristan Vicanzo. I think, did I get his name right? I think Um, it's
0: Vizcano. Oh,
1: Vizcano, Vizcano. yes, yes. Yeah, uh, that they worked out today or perhaps some other place kicker. I think that's going to end up how it works out.
0: I see your note here. On Arrowhead Pride, the the kicker, Viz Kano, he's appeared in seven games for the Chargers and 49ers, making nine of 10 field goal attempts. But interestingly, just 12 of 17 extra point attempts. So he'd fit perfectly, really. As, yeah, uh, right. Replacement for Harrison Butcher. Butcher <laughs> thrills all the field goals, just the extra points sometimes. Makes some room to be to be desired here i think you you probably right in your thought there and we'll be looking out for the transaction report there's two things we're looking out for right now because we're recording this at 4:20. maybe we should have waited that i'm talking out loud but it's too late we're, we're go we're, once we start we don't right, stop right, the right. editor's show but we're waiting for two updates which is the transaction report which might include something about mr uh, Vizcano, if he was able to make enough kicks in front of brett beach and dave tope today and we're also waiting for an injury report when we yes. do have this injury report, and it may come out. If it, if it comes out while we're talking, we'll, we'll go through it. But this is important to note. It's an estimated injury report uh, ahead of Thursday night football. They don't practice on Monday. They let the players rest after their game. That's, that's normal. The only practice that happens is Tuesday. That's when you hear people talk about Thursday night football and how it's unsafe and whatnot. It's because there's not a ton of preparation, not a ton of rest, mm-hmm. really not right. enough. I mean, NFL players will sometimes describe games as you feel like you got hit by a car. And so the fact that they can't really rest is is the unsafe part of Thursday night football. Anyway, I'm, I'm going overboard here. But lo and behold, <laughs> there's no practice on Monday. So all these designations that we'll put up at ArrowheadPride.com shortly here will be estimated. So we'll see what happens in the injury report. And that's one of these things we had on the list, too, was that aside from Blake Bell, who's on injured reserve, we talked about him. The Chiefs entered week one fully healthy
2: mm-hmm. and they
0: left with quite a few injuries and i i think the one that sticks out the most is trent mcduffie who was playing mm-hmm. quite a game before right before he left we just put up an article at ap he had 21 coverage snaps and they didn't target him once Kyler murray and the cardinals didn't target him once so uh good for him i think that's pretty impressive as a rookie where you know you have jalen watson enter the game once mcduffie pulls his hamstring according to Steve Spagnuolo and they go after Watson right away so it wasn't a matter of them not knowing that a rookie was in the game so Watson was able to make the play too so the rookies had a nice nice day in coverage I think it helped that the game was largely in hand at that point you could sort of predict okay this is going to be a a run play but at the same time McDuffie's one to watch Justin Watson was another injury there was something going on with his chest we'll see about the injury report and then A few other injuries that occurred in the game. Trey Smith had to leave the game early. Uh, Nick Allegretti came on and I thought was pretty good. It seemed like to me, I haven't had my Mm -hmm. second watch yet. Uh, Patrick Mahomes injured his left hand, which I think, look, ideally you don't injure any hand, but if there's ever a hand to injure, if you're the star quarterback MVP of the Kansas City Chiefs, it's the left hand it was interesting to see mahomes when he would have handed it off with his left hand used his right hand and you said okay maybe this is something to watch but he said after the game that all of the x-rays it it sounded like were were negative and so that's a a very good thing i think we'll get an update i i for sure think he'll be on the injury report as a quote-unquote full participant, but I think he'll be listed because I'm sure he's receiving some sort of treatment on on what is that left hand, and then Butker's the other one who we talked about. We'll see if they replace him, but having come into the game fully healthy and being really excited about that, this was not the injury list that you wanted to see. That's the bad news, but the good news is it doesn't really seem like any of these injuries are particularly serious. Right. Again, the the one that I, I think feels the most serious is the one to McDuffie at this point.
1: Yeah, I would agree because it looked bad uh, when it happened. I mean, he went off the field on a cart, right? And uh, and that never bodes well. But it also could have been a precaution. So, you know, what we've heard since then hasn't been too bad. But there's always that concern, you know, until they get a closer look at it or run tests, whatever well, it is they're going to do on a particular player.
0: Again, we we'll get the injury report, and we're recording before it came out, but. I think in talking to Steve Spagnuolo today on the Zoom, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know if he was supposed to really allude to any of the injuries, but he used the phrasing "pulled his hamstring," which is, I don't know, that that feels like weeks to me instead of being something strained. Minor. Yeah, and for, right. um, for the Chiefs to put him on a cart and eat immediately, I guess it was what a couple fifteen minutes later in the game, fifteen minutes later in the game, rule him out and that quickly tells me i don't know if we're going to see mcduffie for a little bit here and i i think look uh, injuries happen it's it stinks because i thought he got off to a really good start in this one singular game but Mm -hmm. that's why you have jalen watson that's why you have joshua williams uh, right in that in that mix and they perform pretty well too and and you're fortunate to have legerius need and rashad fenton the returners uh in, in that mix as well but Again, we'll see. You know, I could be completely wrong about this. The injury report could come out and he could be listed as a full participant. I'm just <laughs> I don't know. I I tend to think it would be a stretch if he plays. And look, for a pull
1: uh, in this case.
0: Right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and look, it's Thursday, Thursday night football. It doesn't seem like to me wide receiver Keenan Allen, who at times has killed the Chiefs, will be available. He had an injury in the Chargers Raiders game. Yesterday, And they're still wondering if J.C. Jackson, the cornerback who went there in free agency, talented guy, uh, they're wondering if he'll be ready. So, yeah, the Chiefs might have some injuries to be concerned about, but the Chargers are not necessarily walking in the most healthy team in the world either. So in a way, it evens out uh, in that sense. Speaking of injuries or injury related things, we did find out that there was a reason Frank Clark was out for a few days because he was sick. Let me tell you something, John. This did not go over well with the fan base of uh, Frank Clark being sick. Uh, people are really sick of Frank Clark missing practice. Sick. Yeah, sick. right. <laughs> and uh, as it turned out, he had come down with COVID. And in the locker room on Friday heading into the Arizona game, he had said he'd been feeling better was able to play and I thought looked pretty good. So Mm -hmm. I think everything seems behind Frank Clark and no one has to necessarily worry about this sick stomach coming back. We think, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to be the one to promise that, but it seems right. at At least this spell seems to be over and he seems to be by it.
1: Well, this is one of those weird things that's in the gray area of NFL health. Uh, is when player actually teams are not required to give specifics about injuries, but when there are injuries that are related to the game, they do because people are interested. People want to know, and they have to put a certain amount of information in the, in the injury report. But when a player is ill, all they have to say is a player missed practice because they were ill or they missed the game because they were ill. They're not required to give any more information than that. So we have very little information about the ailment that bothered that has bothered Clark uh, Clark during his time in Kansas city. And of course the assumption by people who didn't know any better, who were just, you know, trying to speculate about what been, what might be going on was that that had reoccurred mm. or, that he'd started drinking again, yeah, or right. you know, eating hamburgers again, or well, you know, whatever. And
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the problem with going yeah. up a training camp and being like, "I'm healthy now. I'm no longer having right. stomach problems because I yeah. cut out alcohol and red meat." So when you get sick again and miss <laughs> practice, and the Chiefs are not going to come out and say the COVID thing, right? Then right, people start to wrongly assume that he's back into the things that that were giving him the sixth stomach before so good to see that he's by it i think that it would be just such a boost if frank has a healthy productive season and not doesn't even necessarily have to be 2019 version of frank clark just a serviceable defensive end that could be a counterpart for carlos dunlap who was able to get to the quarterback and George Karloftis, who had a really nice first game and, and just be part of that unit, part of, part of a unit that is, is really impactful, I think, uh, will be enough for Chiefs fans at this point. I think that's all that anyone is looking for and availability. Right.
1: Right. I'm not. Right. I'm not. Yeah.
0: I'm going to refrain from saying the cliche that I know you know what I'm talking about out there. OK, here's the news. <laughs> um, Patrick Mahomes says uh, going into the game that the receivers will come from anywhere, ev- everywhere. And I'm going to pair that with another story that we had going into the game. And that was that the chief's coaching staff hinted at running back by committee. Mm -hmm. Now we know about press conferences. We warn you on the editor show all the time. They, you got to take things that you hear with a grain of salt. However, my goodness, Mahomes says receivers will come from everywhere. The coaches say, this is probably going to be a running back by committee. And would you look at that in this Arizona game, the production came, from everywhere. I believe it was nine different receivers eight by hit by Mahomes. We had Henny in this game, and this was really a true running back by committee. It didn't seem that way at first. Clyde edwards got his opportunity, yep. but all of a sudden, mm-hmm. Jared McKinnon was in that mix, and then when the game was at hand, they just took, took these guys out and said, Pacheco, it's your ball, and he looked pretty good as well, so this could be a true running back by committee, not really fantasy-friendly, which I know, John, you don't really give a damn about, but this is... <laughs> A running back by committee in Kansas City. And if you you know, look at the running backs in the sideline, I remember there was a late, I think, what was it? It was just like a late shot in this game where they showed, I believe it was Clyde Edwards-Elair talking with Andy Reid or one of the other coaches or somebody. And he just was and ha- having so much fun. I don't think these running backs really care about who's in the game. I think they're having a lot of fun as a unit. We Clyde Edwards-Elair has been on record of just staying how important Jet McKinnon has been to his growth, and the fact that he was in high school when McKinnon was drafted, and he's just been such a guiding force. And you know, he was he was big for him, and Pacheco being this young gun that we know the the organization really loves, and getting his opportunity as well. Rojo was inactive, which we all assumed, but he mm-hmm. rounds out that room. If one of these guys were to suffer an injury, at least he's on the team right now. I'd been talking to friends before this. I wonder. Um, With Elijah Mitchell out of the mix in San Francisco, does a trade possibility somewhere where they're missing a running back become a thing. But at least for now, Ronald Jones rounds out that room where if you do really want to run this, not one, two punch, it's a one, two, three punch. You have an option there in Jones if one of these guys were to get hurt. But I was I was pretty impressed with the running back by committee. And then Mahomes, of course, had. Travis Kelsey as his go-to guy. We all knew that that was going to be the case. Juju was next after that, but just still spreading the ball around. A lot of these guys had touchdowns. McCole Hardman got in the end zone. Clyde got in the end zone. So, uh, again, sometimes you don't know if you can take what we hear at these press conferences for real because there is a competitiveness to it. There's a competitive aspect to it, but this was true. Receivers everywhere running back by committee, John.
1: Yeah. It was quite a thing to watch actually on Sunday to see all of that happen and to see the running game be successful. They have like 150 some odd yards or something like that. That's a pretty good running back output for a Kansas city team. And when I did the snap counts this morning, I discovered that um, just 59% of the snaps were passing plays for the chiefs. That's a fairly low number. Um, You know, over the years, uh, it's tended to be around sixty five, thirty five in that range. So it's a little lower than we typically see for a Chiefs team. And then they were effective doing it. So I know a lot of people thought that that was going to be a key to the Chiefs' success this year. And there are some people who are still anxious to see Edward Zelaire succeed. Um, as a first-round pick, and others who would like to see him go away, but uh, uh, you know he's still got a full season here where he could show himself to be a very valuable guy and salvage, which has been uh, what has been kind of a question mark of a her career here in Kansas City. So it's all very exciting.
0: Yeah, uh, I I would completely agree, and i I thought it was good to see all of them have success, and I think mm-hmm, sometimes. Yeah. Fans get a little bit lost in being like, you have to be a McKinnon guy or a Clyde guy, or yeah. you have to be on. <laughs> no, I want it to be Pacheco, and in reality, you can win by playing all these guys. And right. It was an interesting story where where Andy Reid and and Eric Bieniemy were were saying all these guys are going to touch the football, and then lo and behold, they all did, and, and yeah. you didn't really believe it at the time, but and and they all were effective. So if they're all effective, keep them fresh. Rotate them in and out and, and continue to run the ball down the field. John, we got a gift here. Happy, happy gift to us here at the editor's show. The injury report is out. So oh, I'm going to read it. All right. Once again, quick reminder. I said it a second ago. This is estimated. They didn't actually practice today. So if the Chiefs were practicing today, here's how it would have went. Justin Reed injured. Uh, it looks like he has a hand designation, but he would have been a full participant. Patrick Mahomes left wrist full participant. Both good news. Defensive leader, quarterback. Justin Watson, chest, would have practiced it limitedly. Juju Smith-Schuster, shoulder, limited. Hmm. Didn't know about that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Don't love that one because the shoulder is what kept him out. Right. I believe it was 11 games last year, at least 11 or 12. Trey Smith, ankle, limited. Uh, That was to be expected. Orlando Brown, knee, limited. So we're finding Hmm. out about some new injuries here. Mm. Trent McDuffie hamstring did not practice. Harrison Butker ankle did not practice. That was along the lines of what we were thinking of. The limited participants are not something to panic about, but I, I almost think, and I'm saying, I'm going to try to put a percentage here. I would say between 75 and 80%. I don't think Butker is going to go. And I don't think McDuffie is going to go. On the short rest. Butker looked like he was in severe pain on on Sunday. Somehow he managed to kick those extra points in the 54-yard field goal. But I I think they're going to want to rest him and get him right. I don't think you want to yeah, continue to have someone injured throughout the rest of the year.
1: I agree. I They're, they're, they're going to give him some rest somehow. And maybe, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they get someone who can kick field goals and let uh reed continued to do the kickoffs of course assuming that he is healthy to go uh and that you know they did say full practice for him but uh he was very impressive on the kickoffs and i wouldn't be surprised if they let him
0: continue to do that i don't know how the chiefs ended up with a safety who can manage to kick (laughs) five of seven kickoffs for a touchback yeah yeah. What?
1: He's very impressive on those. Not so much on the the place kicking, but uh the kickoffs are terrific.
0: Well, I don't know. We saw some bad kicks at training camp. We saw some good ones. Yeah. His first opportunity he made the extra point. I I think he thought he might only get one chance at this and really locked in and then the second one was was bad. It was yeah. not a good kick.
2: Well, that's what period. happened
1: uh, that's what happened at training camp too, wasn't it? Didn't he have a fantastic day one day, and he then the next early, day was terrible and filling
0: yeah. sixty yarders, and then Dave right. to you know, put him under pressure, and it, it was the worst kick I had ever seen. <laughs> uh, but I just don't think I think they they brought a place kicker in because you need the I mean, especially these division games they they could come down to yeah three they points. sure could
1: yeah mm-hmm.
0: I, I don't know if you want Justin Reed down to an Arrowhead. 45 yarder, you roll out Justin Reed for the division win. Are you feeling good about that situation? I don't know. I don't even, I don't know if I'd be feeling good about Vizcano, but I think if I had to choose, I'd probably go with a no name place kicker off the street than Justin Reed in a game winning situation. Yeah. Right. We'd agree
1: well, right. I mean, and and has only missed one in what nine attempts.
0: And that's yeah, the extra uh, point that he has trouble Yeah.
1: With. Right, right. And this is, you know, we're familiar with this problem. So hmm. we'd be we'd be accustomed to it right off. The, the only bat. reason
0: I know that Elliot Fry is in Jacksonville is because I watched the Hall of Fame game this year and I, I spotted him. And I, I guess the, the Fry man is not an option anymore. Not that he was that great in Kansas City, but it's, a, it's well, always they the liked him. All right. Well, that is the injury report. We're through it. When we come back, we will give our marinated takeaways from this Chiefs-Cardinals Week 1 game. Stick with it. It's the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show right here on the Arrowhead
2: Pride Podcast Network. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make Well, I'm going to let this marinate. You know, let that one marinate, and then we can circle back.
0: Adapt. React. Readapt. Takes time. It takes years. (laughs) That's the takeaway. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon. Just got the Chiefs injury report. We're watching the status right now. These are the two to watch. Trent McDuffie, cornerback. Injured his hamstring, I think it might be serious. He was listed as a did-not-practice. Harrison Butker, his left ankle, we know is bothering him. He was listed as a did-not-practice. We'll keep you updated at arrowheadpride.com. But first, we are going to dial it back to Sunday afternoon, a 44-21 Chiefs thrashing of the Arizona Cardinals. John, let's go back and forth. We're going to name three marinated takeaways each, and then we are going to get out of here. So let's start with you. What was your first marinated takeaway of this game?
1: I can't get over Harrison Butker in this game. I mean, you know, you always talk about a place kicker, the plant foot being very important. He rolls his plant foot on a kickoff and misses a couple of extra points and kickoffs, uh, gives way to Justin Reed for those, comes back on the field, to try a 54-yard field goal with a short walk-up. Now, here's another thing we always hear from these specialists, the long snapper, the holder, and the place kicker, is that everything is split second. They've practiced it 5 million times. Everything has to be exactly the way they expect. Their timing is off. Things go completely south. And here, Butker in this situation where he can't really put a lot of stress on his plant foot takes one step to get up and kick the ball and nails, I mean, nails a 54 yard field goal An incredibly tough, gritty performance and a fantastic ad lib by all three of these guys, the place kicker, the holder and the long snapper who have to, ad lib in an unusual situation, and it paid off. I'm, I'm still blown away by the whole thing.
0: Yeah, Justin Reed made a point to mention that in his postgame press conference, just how impressive it was for Butker mm-hmm. to have two steps and hit a 54-yard field goal, right? Even in a perfect routine, there are some kickers around the league where the 54-yarder is questionable, and you saw that yesterday. There were a mm-hmm. number of missed kicks across the league. Yep. Uh, Houston and Indianapolis ended up being a tie you had a number of missed kicks in Cincinnati which makes Chiefs fans smile a little bit with the Pittsburgh (laughs) Steelers eventually winning the game on the Boswell kick and so when you have your perfect health and your perfect routine it's hard to make some of these long kicks so I'd agree with you I think Butker was really impressive and I know that we looked at this Justin Reed thing as as sort of a joke and a comical sideshow in the preseason but damn it how useful is and okay the Field goals are going to be erratic, but how useful is it to have someone who can kick the ball and at least get a touchback?
2: Right, sometimes you're in these right. situations
0: where you end up giving good returners a better chance of of bringing the ball back, but not the case with Justin Reed just simply being able to, to boom it. Okay, my first marinated takeaway, and you know this this is a message for Chiefs fans, not 2022 Chiefs fan here on September 12th. This is for 2023, you, week one of the NFL season. (laughs) I don't care what the spread is. Bet the Chiefs. Bet the Chiefs and put all your life savings on it because they don't lose in the first week, and Patrick Mahomes cannot be beaten in the first week. This was his fifth consecutive season opener with three or more touchdowns. Andy Reid has found a way to win eight season openers in a row. You know, you talk about this bye week, and the bye week each and every year it's a story we do john we do it every year and Reid mm-hmm. after the week what's the record right. this year it's, it's usually improving each and every year there have been a few hiccups whatever like that right and why are we doing that you know what is the prevailing thought about that i have a fly in here what's the prevailing thought about uh, <laughs> what's the prevailing thought about that it's that andy reed has extra time to prepare and when andy reed has extra pre- time to prepare he's going to beat he's going to beat the heck out of you right Andy Reid has six months to prepare at the beginning of every season, and he has six months to think about Patrick Mahomes, and he has and he has no he has all these creative ideas. And this year in particular, he had all these new weapons. So I think mm-hmm. there was even an added level of mystery to what the Kansas City Chiefs were going to look like. And then you saw and and it's not just Pat and it's not just Andy. It's this duo of having all that time to prepare. I'm telling you, it's unbeatable. If Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes had 6 months to prepare for every game of the NFL season, they would not lose. <laughs> They'd be undefeated. That is my marinated takeaway or my first marinated takeaway of the the regular season, John.
1: Pretty good. I think you're right. I think if he had 6 months to repair, prepare for any game, nobody would ever beat Andy Reid. I agree. I think that's I think that's spot on right there. It would, be,
0: it would it would the problem here is this would take 9 years to figure out. <laughs> that is how long it would take
1: and as long as the games were at noon we'd be okay with it
0: right that's fine every yeah meet up hey john good to see you how's the family they know it's been five months all right let's get ready okay let's go to your next marinated takeaway
1: Uh, i want to speak in praise of travis kelsey you know, um, one of the things that's been going around uh, during this off season, where all the talk has been is what are the Chiefs going to be like without Tyreek Hill and what are they going to do to replace Tyreek Hill? And, and, you know, there was a considerable body of opinion that this would be a bad thing for Travis Kelsey because defenses would be able to focus on just him mm-hmm. when before they had to focus on both Tyreek Hill and him. And what does he do in the first game without Tyreek Hill? Eight catches, 121 yards at age 32. Yeah. Bet all your money on Travis Kelsey, too. Because uh, if you haven't already betted on Pete's thing, if you haven't already run over to the new Kansas, you know, online betting to place that bet on the season opener next year, save some of that money back and put it on Travis Kelsey the rest of the season. The if guy you, is amazing. Just amazing.
0: <laughs> if you're an, an addicted listener to the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network and you listen to each and every show, you would have heard the single game parlay that I have to do every week. And our friends at DraftKings, you can do single egg parlay or single game parlays. Same game parlays? Single, no, I don't same. know. You're talking I about came, I don't know anything about. Steve yelled at me, Steve yelled at me the other day, and was, I think it was same game. It's, it's the same game parlay. The Arrowhead Pride, same game parlay. Anyway, re- regardless of whatever the hell it's called, I won. I named five things and it hit this week. So if you ended up betting it, I, I don't know if, if any of you ended up betting the same game parlay that hit this week, take a screenshot of it and tweet it to me. I'm, I'm oh, just curious yeah. if anyone yeah. won any money. It was plus six fifty. So if you would have put a hundred bucks on it, you would have won $650. So I, I, we are making you real money here at our head pride now. D- oh, d- wow. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't hold me to this when I get the Thursday night one. Just completely wrong. I don't want you know. I don't want the tweets about the wrong parlay. But if you hit last week and you made some money, screenshot, send me a tweet. Okay, I agree with the point about Travis Kelsey. I got sidetracked by the betting thing, but Travis Kelsey seems like one of these players who uh, was ageless. And I think Kansas City, in general, has been really fortunate, John, at the tight end position. But I think you know, as you think back to Tony G, and I, I know about the Atlanta Falcons ending. He yeah. should yeah. shut up at the Super Bowl. Yeah, right. But yeah. what was really fortunate about the career trajectory of Tony G is he was not only good, but he was good into his mid to late 30s. Like he was mm-hmm. effective. Yeah. And Travis is 32, 33. So it's a position that sometimes, even if you as you get older, you can still be impactful. And I, I think the Chiefs should recognize that. And, and this is paid off for the Chiefs in their consistency of winning but but general manager Brett Veach has shown a tendency in in recent years to to say goodbye to the old heads and to lean into the youth movement but I think Mm -hmm. this might be one of these exceptions and to Kelsey's credit I think he realizes what the game is and I think he really wants to play his entire career with Patrick Mahomes and he seems a little bit willing to bend in that sense so Maybe there's a scenario where the Chiefs can continue to pay and they can continue to agree to uh, you know a fair price, which isn't probably going to be under market value to what Travis Kelsey could right. get with, mm-hmm. with a team who desperately needs a tight end. But at the same time, just continue to keep him happy enough and the Chiefs are happy enough where he can remain in Kansas City. Because I agree with you. I mean, how many years do we go in and we're like, well, this might be the year that Travis starts to taper right. off. And right. very clearly, yeah. I know we're only through the one week, but very clearly it doesn't look like, like that is is happening and so i don't know i i'm i'm optimistic that he can continue this for a couple more years at least right right, right.
1: well I, th- I think that's fair
0: all right my my second uh takeaway juan thornhill is going to be an all pro i can just mm. see it i i i said he was my player to watch on the AFC West mixtape that we did. We're going to be doing those once a month on all of the channels in the AFC West, and we all named our players to watch. And I was really impressed with it, with Juan Thornhill in what was the the preseason. And I liked his swagger to go to the podium and say that he was going to be an All-Pro. And then I liked his swagger to go back to the podium, I think it was like a week or two later, and say, yeah, I don't take anything back. I'm going to be an All-Pro. And I, I think you saw in that near interception on Sunday, he mm-hmm. came out of nowhere. This is a player that's going to have multiple interceptions. I know he didn't pick it off. And then even in that play too, and I'll, I'll admit this, he probably was going to be out of bounds to be fair, but I just think it was a sign of that. Like we sort of forgot about what that 2019 end of season. Yes. Version yeah. of mm-hmm. like. yes. He, he can be a really, really good player. He had another pass breakup in this game. And I think, I think he's going to do it. I I mean, I know I'm calling my shot a little early here, but (laughs) at least in in the, because the thing is, you know, he said during training camp that he had no more pain anymore. And it, you know, something went off in my brain that was like, you know, this is something we should note, And he admitted he had, he still had pain last year and you could just see he's playing loose. And I don't know. I, I tend to think he's going to really break out into the elite. And what'll be really interesting about that is the chiefs are going to have something to figure out there because the contract is up. So, you know, what are, what would, what will they do there if he does follow through? that'll be a really interesting point to watch um, if that were to play out, but we don't have to worry about that right now. We have 16 games at least to go probably more, let's be honest. And uh, in that, in that, I think you're seeing Juan Thornhill. And I I think you're seeing that, that rookie version of him reemerge. So that's my second, uh, empty as they say
1: are you are you absolutely certain that you aren't being influenced by the fact that we had two press conference quotes that turned out to be true in this game and now you're thinking maybe a third one might come
0: true that is I, supposed i'm to being i am are you sure that if i wrote an article about me winning the lottery then i would go and get the right <laughs> numbers at this point um, yes the answer is yes <laughs> all right john uh let's hear your third and final marinated takeaway
1: I really loved uh, George Karloftis in this game. Uh, I mean, I know I think we expected a lot more from him than we got. But I think what we saw uh, was quite good for a guy making his NFL debut. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think we were all after the preseason thinking, oh, this guy's going to get a sack every game. And that was reasonable based on what we saw in the preseason. But of course, the preseason and the regular season are two different things. We're probably not going to see that kind of production, but I would just after having made that point that I think George Karloftis is, is going to be a good player in this league. I would also like to say that one of the scenarios where Frank Clark could have a good season this year is that he remains healthy and coaches this kid. Now I get it. If people have been unhappy with the money that Frank Clark has been paid and the production he's given as a result of it. But he and Carl Loftus have developed a relationship. Now we've heard the two of them talk about this. But we saw it on the field. On Sunday. After Karloftis Loftus batted that pass down. And he and, Clark and Frank Clark embraced. It was clear. That these are two guys that are working together all the time. And I think that one of the possible and. Excellent outcomes we could see from Frank Clark this year is that he coaches this kid into a great player who stays with the team for many years. I like that point.
0: I, I'm i going to piggyback it and simply say that I think the defensive line as a whole doesn't necessarily need a star to be one of the better defensive lines in the league. I think it's going to be a, a good defensive line group uh, as opposed to you know maybe you did have in in 19 frank clark being the star and everyone played off the star mm-hmm. i think yeah. all these guys can can contribute 28 total pressures as a team that is uh, a welcome change you had carloftis with 6 mike Dana with 6 chris jones with 6 which i think is uh, an incredible start you'd mentioned uh, just the coaching up i think And, and I look at Carl and I look at Carlos Dunlap and Dunlap was able to get home in this game and the chiefs have needed a player like Dunlap for a long time where he just gets to the quarterback. It's not an excuse. It's not like, look, well, we're getting pressures. It's like, no, this guy somehow gets 10 sacks a year. I think you saw why. And we've seen the motor of George Karloftis. That's why they liked him. That's why they drafted him. That's why he was able to get two sacks in the preseason. Dunlap has that motor too, where he just doesn't stop. Steve Spagnuolo talked about it earlier today on zoom where there's just a relentlessness. And so sure. Karloftis is a rookie. Dunlap is not a rookie. Very much the opposite of this older player, but where they, they, they live and they, they share this trait is just not giving up on the play. And you got to do that. Especially a guy like Kyler Murray and especially another player like a, a Justin Herbert. And for me, that might rub up, rub off on, on a guy like Frank Clark, right? That may rub off on a Mike Dana, who also, as I said, had six pressures in this game or one of these other players that, that may be getting some blitz opportunities. I, I also like the fact that Steve Spagnuolo was mixing it up. Glagiaris need blitzing is amazing. I mean, it mm-hmm. is how yeah. you deal with that when you never know when it's coming, right? Like that is scary for a, a, a quarterback. And so I like the defensive line as a whole and I just, I like the vibes. How, how long has it been since, since we said, you know, going into a week two game, John, that we like the vibes of the chiefs defense. This is usually like a week seven conversation. <laughs> wow. Things have finally turned around for this unit. <laughs> Why? Yeah. Where was it, Where have these guys been all year? No, I mean, they started off nice in the first game. You can only hope that that continues on Thursday.
1: Well, they could be <laughs> terrible on Thursday. They really could, you know, it's only one game. This, you know, we always have to throw that out there. We don't know what's going to happen in the next game, but you sure like seeing that kind of a response from the defense in the first game of the season. There's no question about that. None, none at all.
0: My final takeaway, and it stems off of a point I made earlier about Clyde really having a nice game, especially at the beginning of this game, really setting the tone, man. And, and part of this was, was I think the idea of, of the Cardinals blitzing a little bit, but the chiefs run blocking, they were able to make some juicy holes for yeah. Clyde. Yeah, and I think in in previous years, Clyde has never been a player that got the benefit of the doubt. But you can see what he can do when Mm -hmm. the Chiefs offensive line actually has push run blocking. And I know, look, there are probably people out there that are like, well, if Clyde can do that, what can Pacheco do? I I agree with you. I I don't know if Pacheco by the end of the year isn't the, the starting running back. But what I would tell you is that Clyde looked very good, and he has the trust of the team. They were hitting him in open space. We finally saw him in the pass game. He had that really nice underhand pass from Mahomes that usually goes yes. to Travis Kelsey. He took that for a touchdown. Was able to get two touchdowns in this game. I was happy to see this for Clyde, and I think that so long as the Chiefs keep getting this push, why wouldn't it continue? And and I think it's just I sort of take it took my own point earlier, but I really. You know, from a team, you fantasy players might might not like it, but from a team effectiveness (laughs) standpoint, I think this running back by committee could really, really thrive, and I think that also plays into it too. Of well, I mean, of course, the Cardinals were blitzing Patrick Mahomes fifty percent, which I mean, and they must have woke up yesterday after being in a coma all of them for (laughs) five years, but. (laughs) I also think it's his balance. I think it's his mixing, and I think it's his matching, and I think it's not knowing if they're going to hand it off to Clyde. It's not knowing if they're going to do a play action and dump, and and same thing when it goes for, for Jet McKinnon and, and and Pacheco, and then when you combine that with the effectiveness of Travis Kelsey, the reliability of Juju Smith-Schuster and what Marquez Valdez-Gantling was able to do and his handful of targets. I, I just think it's a tough offense to stop, and you have Andy Reid, and, and the Tyreek Hill thing was a thing, but he woke up with a brand new lot of toys on Christmas morning. Yep. And what it, what emerged in the first game was 44 points and it's going to be interesting to see if the the Chiefs can keep it up. I just go back to 2018 and and this is a point about Andy Reid and and essentially having new variables to play with. The Chiefs 2018 offense was just unreal and Mm -hmm. it took years for defenses to figure it out and finally they did right to an extent Patrick Mahomes was slowed down there were different shells that they would play coverage shells the cover two, the single man or single high was a problem for for a while but now you have almost like a, a brand spanking new palette for Andy Reid to work with And I just think it's dangerous. And I, you know, I wonder if the chiefs are just going to steamroll a bunch of these teams until someone is able to figure something out and then maybe slow them down. But the distributing the ball everywhere, which is what they said going into the game. It's, it's impressive to me that they, that they a did it and B followed it up by doing it and, and scoring a lot of points. I think everyone worried with Tyreek Hill no longer on the team that suddenly these 40-point games wouldn't happen anymore. And, you know, I, I was sort of speculating, I think they can. It's just going to look a lot different. And it did. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's rare right. that everything that we've sort of been saying and alluding to in an offseason really pans out. And, and, and you're right, John. I think we need to go back to the fact that it's one game, and this could go completely sideways Thursday. The Chargers are a really talented football, football team. But through one game, through one day, so far so good. And I think there's a lot to be excited about for the 2022 season.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I'd also point out that yesterday's 44 points not only did not include a defensive score, as a big score often does, it didn't even include a defensive turnover that gave the offense a short field. These were all just regular drives where the Chiefs went all the way down the field and punched it in. So it's like the hardest way possible to get to 44 points, and they Mm -hmm. did it By Mm -hmm. the end of the, you know, by the end of the third quarter or whatever it was, you know, I guess it was mid fourth quarter when they got to 44 with uh, Pacheco's touchdown. But point is, you know, it's not like they were having a shootout. Right. And they're going touchdown for touchdown in the last four minutes of the game or something like that. Like the Buffalo game in the playoffs last year, they just had their way Mm -hmm. with the Cardinals for the entire game. And uh, it was kind of a remarkable in- achievement for the team. I thought,
0: I think a lot of these times too, you see where another team is injured and everyone thinks one team is going to dominate and it just doesn't happen that way. Not to say mm-hmm. that the other team loses, but it's just a better game than you would have thought. The Cardinals were injured. The chiefs weren't going into the game and they should have done what they did. And it's, right, was it, it right. refreshing to see them follow through in that sense. I think sometimes the chiefs, do have these games where they play down or linger around. That was not the case in this week one game. I think we ended up giving two bonus marinated takeaways. That was like a, a buy, buy six, get two free situation, I think, <laughs> marinated takeaway style. But you should. You should get extra ones. This is the first one of the season. We'll be doing this every Monday. It's the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. We got a big-time season planned for you. A lot of goodies coming at you this year on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. We'll keep it going. This week with your usual shows, we have out of structure and coast to coast and a show and BK special post game show. I think we're, we're cooking up. So if you, if you like the Arrowhead pride podcast network uh, and everything that it brings, please leave us a rating and a review. We had no reviews today. That bums me out. Leave a review. So we can read it right here next time on the Arrowhead pride editor show. Thank you to Steve Serta, our Arrowhead pride podcast producer, who's doing all the work behind this digital glass. Thank you to John Dixon. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com. Thank you for listening to the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show.